Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, welcome back to another episode of the Two Sharp Reds with myself, Ollie Geel, and Australia's third favourite son, Mark Schwarzer. Mark, let's get stuck into things. It's been another interesting week of, let's be honest, not much happening. How have you enjoyed uh, self-isolating? Uh, you know what? I have to say, I have quite enjoyed it. It's been nice to spend some family time together. First time uh, I can remember that the four of us can be at the house and have very, very little commitments to do anything else other than hang around and enjoy our, each other's company and find little jobs around the house to do, which I've been finding plenty of, don't worry. And also playing Cluedo, I saw. How did you go at that? Uh, we, did, we did play Cluedo, and it was a race in the end between my wife, my daughter and I to the swimming pool and my I'll tell you this quick story my daughter was first she went she rolled a seven ended up on the footsteps of the pool couldn't get in so I was killing myself laughing thinking I've got this in the bag my wife was about 15 drops away so she had no chance of making it she rolled got closer then it was my turn to roll and I rolled a seven as well oh my god and I couldn't even go on the same spot as where my daughter was so obviously she gets it goes in the pool and wins I mean, this is what it's come to. You know, this is where we're getting our, our sporting fix from these days. It's, oh. it's either this or marbles. Oh, you're not wrong, mate. Marbles, I'll tell you what, marbles is the next best thing. You know, yeah. there's no crowd controlling. There's no isolating. One person can organise the whole lot. This is brilliant. You can do the commentary remotely. Oh, listen, I, I love it. I thought it was absolutely entertaining. Look, you do love it, and I've got uh, just, I'm looking at our running order here for the podcast, and I've just designated a special spot during our halftime drinks where you can share the world your love of, of marbles, but if you are <laughs> tuning in for the first time here on the Two Sharp Reds, we'll be trying a delicious bottle of red wine, and then by the end of the episode, we'll compare it to a player, past or present, and Mark, today, uh, for the wine, we've managed to sneak another bottle of the Hay Diddle Shiraz, so the boys uh, from Port Adelaide in Tom Jonas and Brad Ebert's sent a couple of bottles over um, of their hay diddle wine. It's, it's just spectacular. Uh, from, the, from the Adelaide region, I believe from the uh, McLaren Vale, uh, but it could be the Brosser actually. No, I think it's the McLaren Vale. And Mark, we're lucky that we've got a bottle left because you didn't tell me that you had your second bottle, which was quite cheeky. Uh, yes, I did, I did um, let that go under the radar for quite some time until somehow I must have just popped it into conversation and you did clock onto it immediately. Yeah, guilty. But, 
to be fair, it's it's a pretty good drop. So I, I certainly don't blame you. So uh, I, the reason why I thought it was appropriate to get stuck into it today was, of course, we saw round one of the AFL go ahead, and then shortly after it started, it's uh, it's already been called off for the moment. So um, a reminder out there that if you're in the Adelaide region or still in Australia somewhere, to look out for Hay Diddle Wines because they're they're great. So we'll, we'll be having the Shiraz today, and this is the 2018 vintage. And I'm just reading the explanation here because um, we can taste it, but of course you need to taste it with your ears. And it says uh, that the 2018 vintage resulted in a wine with increased depth, has a riper blue fruit, uh, blackberry and cracked pepper on the powerful nose, uh, which I, that's my favourite sentence. You've got a very powerful nose, uh, Mark. Um, it's also got an appealingly sweet dark berry and floral pastel flavours, meld with a mocha tone that builds, builds in the glass, Finishes on a tobacco and smoky, dark-fruited note. Harmonious tannins and length. I mean, what's your favourite word in that explanation, Mark? It's, it's got to be either a powerful nose or, the, I don't know, the, the mocha notes? I, I do like uh, the powerful nose, and, and obviously because you've, you've, you've latched onto it straight away. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, listen, I like the pretty standard stuff, the increased depth. I, I, I want to know how you've increased it even more than what it was before. So, Mark, during this lack of, of football that we find ourselves in in this very strange time in all our lives, it's been great seeing that Optus Sport have been uploading some classic matches. We touched on this last week, and there's been some absolute beauty. So make sure you stay up to date. And also a reminder, you don't even need to be a subscriber. It's free to everyone at the moment to be able to tune in and watch uh, these classic matches on the app and the website. So make sure you get stuck in. But today we've really been testing out more so your contact list, but, but both of our contact lists, because we're, we're trying to reach out, Mark, to the greater football community to find out what their favourite games are. Yeah, we are. And uh, yes, you're right. I did, um, did you know, rummage around my contact list and have a look at all those ex ex-colleagues of mine and, and see which one we're up for a bit of a, a bit of a chat and a bit of a, an insight into what their favourite ever uh, all-time Premier League games were. What was the hit ratio, would you say, about the, from the amount that you sent out and the ones you got back? Well, at the moment, I mean, I think the response has been pretty good, actually. Um, I think I sent out eight messages and I've had five responses. I've had two reads and no two readings of the messages, but no responses. How rude. Oh. Um, and I've had a couple who haven't actually, I think it was nine actually, I must admit, nine people have sent it out to. And so I've had two that haven't even answered, looked at their messages yet. Uh, so they'll be kicking themselves later when they hear this episode though. They, they will be, I, I would think so. I'm sure they're all listening to it, of course. So let's start from current Socceroo and also goalkeeper of Brighton at the moment, Matty Ryan. My favourite Premier League game was the 4-4 draw between Liverpool and, uh, and Arsenal. Just remember being at my mate's house and being up at the early hours in the morning with him and his dad and yeah, feeling an array of emotions. Uh, yelling nearly waking the whole house up. So definitely my most favourite Premier League game, that one. Yeah, that was, Mark, an absolute ripper for all Liverpool against Arsenal. Do you remember that game? I do, yeah. Yeah, I do remember the game. I mean, well, what I remember about it is Ashavin. Ashavin scoring, what, yeah. four goals? I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's what I remember. That's the bit. I, I couldn't even tell you who scored for Liverpool. 
But that just stood out for me because I, mean, I think any time a player scores four goals in one game, you, you're pretty much not going to forget that, are you? No, and, and it's sort of, st- as an Arsenal fan, it's just almost, I've got this image of Arshavan running away after his fourth and he's holding his four fingers up and his mouth is wide open and that screenshot is almost burnt onto my retina. It's one of those things that, that just won't leave me. And it was, a, it was a pretty interesting time as well for Arsenal considering their lineup. You're looking at it now, Fabianski, Sanger, Toure, Silvestre, Gibbs, Arshavan, Song, uh, De Nielsen, Walcott, you know, Bentner, you know, this is not a great Arsenal side. Uh, but, geez, it, it was just an absolute ripper. It must be a really tough place to go uh, to face Liverpool. Oh, Anfield is a tough place, really tough place to go as, a, as an opponent. Um, I, I always enjoy playing there. It was always a huge, huge challenge. And, and uh, um, as most Liverpool fans know in Australia, that one of my favourite games was, was played there. Um, but we won't go into that one. No, we won't go into that. We'll just leave that one there where it is right now. Um, no, brilliant place to go. I mean, even now to this day, going there for, for Premier League games or Champions League games, you get a, a slightly different perspective because you're not in that middle. You're not in the thick of things. You're, you're, you're on the outer a little bit, so you get more of a fan's perspective. And it's pretty special. You know, when they, when they see that you know you never walk alone uh, before the, the the game begins the banners uh, you know the unison within that stadium it's pretty special I'll never forget when Liverpool came to Australia and I went and saw them play against Adelaide United at Adelaide Oval and when everyone was singing you'll never walk alone there that was a moment for me in particular that you know I hadn't at that point ever seen a Premier League side play in the flesh and it was just incredible seeing I guess the global power that, that Premier League sides have. Yeah, huge. Liverpool, I mean, people underestimate, I think, um, the, the, the reach that Liverpool has. I mean, it's, in my opinion, I, I don't know the exact stats, but uh, it seems to me that they're the most supported team, the biggest supported team within Australia by, by quite some way. I mean, even after that game, they came out to Australia when they played, uh, they played at the, the MCG and they broke... They actually have a world record attendance, which is held for Liverpool game at the MCG. And I think the tickets, from what I, my understanding was, the tickets were sold out in either an under an hour or within a couple of hours of, of the nice. announcement being made. Uh, so that's, how, that's how, how well supported they are. I don't think there's any other team, probably the closest one is Manchester United, that can draw the same sort of interest as Liverpool coming to Australia. Uh, let's go back to the south coast of England and check in with Matty Ryan, because we do like to be as positive as we can here on the Two Sharp Reds, Mark. But we do want to know uh, what uh, Matty's least favourite game of all time was. And the worst Premier League game ever was probably when Manchester United beat Arsenal at Old Trafford 7-2. It was always a fierce rivalry between you know Arsenal and Manchester United supporters, and I grew up around my fair share of them, so... I'd have to say that was the worst one. I think I probably have to agree with him on that one. Um, I didn't know this, Mark, but I'm assuming that, that Matty is a, a big Arsenal fan. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, he must be. Yeah, yeah, he is. No, he definitely is. Uh, you know what? I, I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant that, uh, you know, he's, he's delighted about the 4-4 at Liverpool. Um, and it's only a draw. And it was a sh- yeah, it was a Charvin's probably, Charvin's probably best ever, ever uh, game that he ever played. Uh, for Arsenal, never, never, ever was able to reach those uh, those heights again. Um, and let's be honest, you know, the demise of Arsenal was well and truly underway at that stage, wasn't it? And then to back it up now with a seven-two. Do you remember that game? Yeah, I think I do. I'm, I'm pretty sure. 
it was the 11-12 season, and you would have been playing for Fulham at that time. And so you would have faced that Arsenal side. And often when you watch these, I'm, I'm sure people would have seen, you know, uh, Gary Neville's soccer box and things like that, where they replay some of those uh, great years between sort of 2007 and, and 13. Um, it just feels like one big drumming against Arsenal. Everyone's highlight reel is against this Arsenal side. But amazingly, they finished third that season, which was incredible. They got off to a shocking start, but still managed to play to finish third. So I guess from your perspective, facing off against an Arsenal side that on paper was pretty terrible, but still being able to finish third, I guess... Did that show just how powerful that the side is in terms of you know everyone coming together and, and, and someone like an Arsene Wenger you know showing what he can really get out of his players? You know, you know what I've just discovered, and it makes it actually that little bit funnier for me is that game we're talking about. And Matty Ryan's actually got it wrong. It wasn't seven two. Do you know what was it was? It was eight two. It was twenty eighth of August two thousand eleven. Ouch. It was 8-2. So, um, correction there, Matty, it was 8-2. But listen, I love the way you're going. It was brilliant. <laughs> so we'll just add a little bit like, more like salt. He's just, he's just knocking off goals just to make himself feel a little bit better. No, 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 it was 7-2. It was 7-2, no, 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 it was definitely 8-2. And wow, wow, what a scoreline. I do, I do remember I do remember the scoreline. I do remember the day. And I just thought, this is just not, it's not for real, is it? it can't, I can't possibly be, be right. And, uh, you know, that's the thing about United as well. United could do that to you. And, and, uh, and they could do it against anyone, really. And, and, they, and they did it, obviously, against a, a, a strong Arsenal side. But does that, the fact that they were able to have such a poor season and still finish third, that must show how good Arsene Wenger was. No, definitely. No, listen, to be able to, to rally the team after that that, that, that takes some doing, doesn't it? I mean, if you look at that Arsenal team on that day, it was uh, Chesney in goal, Jenkinson, uh, Giroud, uh, Kaselmi, Torori, Ramsey, Coquelin, Riziki, Walcott, Van Persie, Ashavan. There you go. There's your man again, Ashavan. Some of the greats. Some of the greats, yeah. I mean, he did get a 4 out of 10 rating, and Robin Van Persie got a 4 out of 10. If he fell, I wouldn't have thought they would have got much else either. Uh, but uh, you know what? He was still... MVP that year, though, can I just add? Old RVP. Mm. Was he really? Yeah, well. Certainly was. Yeah, well, anyway, they, they, it, wasn't, it wasn't such a bad Arsenal side, you know, to have lost against a, a team like Manchester United at the time. And again, you look at the Manchester United side. De Gea, Smalling, Jones, Evans, Nani, Anderson, Cleverly, Young, Welbeck, Rooney. I mean, it's not like you're looking at that team going, that's just like, you, you, you can't get anywhere near that side. No, you're right, but... It- even players like Ashley Young, he was so dominant during those early years. You know, it, it was it was different, but I know what you're saying. Even Danny Welbeck, I mean, he he just looked like the next best thing at that period in his in his time. Yeah, he did. I mean, he was one of those players where he was a bit more of a bit part player, wasn't he? He didn't play yeah. all the time. He he popped in and out. How many times did Manchester United produce young players that had that ability to come in? Yeah. They looked really good in the eleven, and then you took them away. And you put them in another team that were just okay, like Arsenal, and uh, <laughs> they struggled. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> You're How welcome. We move things on. How about me? Uh, yeah, very quickly. Um, who have you been able to get a response from uh, in your ever-growing contact list? 
Well, the next one, I, this is one that you know what um, I played with a couple of years ago. At my last, my last club, Wes Morgan at Leicester City, and you know he's a, he's a top guy, and he was more than happy to help out. And he's come forward with his uh, favourite game, and actually it's a game that he played in as well. Hi, mate. How are you doing? Um, you've asked for my best ever Premier League game. I would say that's the goal I scored against Man United. Uh, it was the winning goal um, that you could say that made us win the league because um, then Chelsea went on to draw with uh, Tottenham. Thank you, Wes. And uh, Mark, I've I, I got to say, that was really... I mean, it sort of sounded... You know, he was pretty sure of himself when he said it was the almost the goal that, sold the, that sealed the, the Premier League title. But... No, that's that's very accurate. I mean, that's a big moment, and I'll never forget. I'm sure you won't forget it either, because you would have had the best seat in the house. But it was almost poetic that everyone in that side had such a great season in their individual positions. But he's sort of someone that that probably didn't get enough respect. You know, he must have been holding that that defence together, and to get that goal that really almost sealed the Premier League trophy. I mean, it's quite poetic in a way. Now listen, Wes, Wes was outstanding in that season, as, as, were, as were, you know, the, the whole team really. I mean, Wes is a player that I think even prior to that season, there were, there were elements of people uh, uh, saying, even fans saying he wasn't good enough to be a Premier League defender, particularly someone, that, a team that were going to stay in the Premier League and, and, and be a team that were competitive. And you know what, that whole side... Were just played incredibly well that season, 2015, 2016. And uh, Wes was a big reason as well. You know, together, Robert Huth is his partner. Um, you know, Danny Simpson out at right back. Um, it was just insane how good they were, how well they performed. Um, Christian Fox coming in at uh, left back. Uh, Mark Albrighton playing there sometimes as well. There was just players who were often seen as players who their, their careers were going nowhere, they weren't good enough quite to play in the Premier League, and they all came together and they all performed at one time at their peak. And I don't know whether any of them would be able to... I mean, there's a couple, obviously, uh, Riyad Mahrez, Jamie Vardy, who have still continued to perform at that level, as well as Angolo Kante. But the rest, have they ever been able to get back to those dizzy heights again? No, it's pretty hard to, to pick one out. If... Um, if someone like Wes was to have had a season like he did in 2016, but slightly earlier on in his career, do you think he would have gone on to do bigger and better things? You know what? I, I think a lot of those players, had that team had it been younger, had they all been a lot younger, say five years younger, had it done it in that early stage of their career, definitely. There would have been, I think that Leicester City side would have been torn apart by, by offers from, from, from the bigger clubs, the so-called bigger teams. Um, you know, because they would have just would have been so much more appealing to everyone. Uh, I think the fact that they did do it at the stages of the career they did, where you know a big chunk of them were either late twenties or very you know around that thirty-year-old mark, so they were primed. That was the moment where something special could happen. Whether it was you know, let's be honest, who would have thought something special? Something special would have been, you know, in in, in real terms. Played well in the season, finished up at upper upper part upper upper top part of the table. Maybe knock on the door of Europa League place. Maybe scrape in, you know, through that, or or have a really good cup run. Maybe get to a cup final and and maybe even win a cup. And I think that would have been an amazing effort from that group of players. But to take it that step further and to have won the league like they did, perform like they did, 
uh, you know, it's been talked about many times. I've spoken about it so many times. I just don't know whether we'll ever, ever see anything like it ever again in the Premier League. Yeah, I agree. But there certainly were some ups and downs uh, for Leicester during that time and, and, and sort of since then. So let's let's head back to uh, the, the bottle of rum, Mr Captain Morgan himself. Let's see his least favourite Premier League game. Probably one of my games that I got sent off. Um, so the Everton one, really, I felt it was unjust. The sending off, um, there was a foul on Richarlison for a second yellow. And I got sent off and felt like he exaggerated the foul. Um, so that's probably one of my worst games, I would say. Um, not too many bad games, um, but yeah, I think we'll focus on the, the good games and one of my best games would be Man United, I'd say. Yeah, I suppose, Mark, being sent off in any game is probably your least favourite game, especially when someone, you know, in Hitsburg, you know, Richarlison made a bit of a, a, bit of a meal about it. Um, how frustrating is it when you know that a player has taken full advantage of, you know, whether it be a leg that's been stuck out or a slight tug of the shirt? Is it one of the more frustrating things to try and communicate with the referee that, hey, I didn't actually do anything here? Mate, you know what? It's so frustrating as a player. You know, when you when you don't <clears throat> when you when you, you know you you are going for a challenge. The player makes a middle of it, and you get sent off. And even though you may not have touched them, uh, it was such tiny little contact. Um, and if you're the team that has won that foul, if you're on that team that's won the foul, you're like, well done. You know, it was silly for the defender. He knows he's on the yellow. Don't dive in. Don't give the referee an opportunity to to make that call. And on the other hand, when you're a Leicester City player, you're looking at going, how is that even possible? You know, it's completely, you know, it wasn't a red card. It's unfair. He shouldn't have been sent off. Um, and, and that's the frustration of it. That's what can be very, very frustrating for him. And I suppose, you know, looking back at it for Wes, you know, when you see it on the replay, you see that he, that he clearly dives and milks it and, and, and makes the most of it. Yeah, of course, there's reason for frustration. I mean, it happened to me in my career, not where I've been sent off. I think we've talked about it before as well as where, you know, playing for Middlesbrough, it was uh, at, at um, the Riverside against Manchester United and it was a Cristiano Ronaldo running into the box. And I came out, uh, dived, dived at the ball and he dived. And, and when I say he dived, I would have been maybe... 30, 40 centimetres away from him and he dived and he made as if I took his legs and he fell down for a penalty. The referee's angle, he clearly thought that I'd brought him down and he gave, he, he gave a penalty, gave me a yellow card and um, you know, I, I, was, I was obviously remonstrating with him, I was upset with him and I said to him, you know, you watch it on TV, you watch the replay and see how much you've, you've messed up in a, in, in kind of out, in a roundabout way. Um, and and I, a couple of weeks later, I, I, I saw him again, or a couple of months later, I saw him again, and he apologised to me and said to me, "Mate, that night I went home, my wife gave me a full bollocking because you know she said, how could you give how could you give a penalty for that?' And the yellow card of the goalkeeper, he didn't touch him. It was a dive. Should have been the other way. At least it was Ronaldo, mate. That's one thing that from both sides, from your perspective and the referees, you can go home and sleep at night because let's be honest, if it was Richarlison that did it to me, I'd be a little bit disappointed. But hey, if the great Cristiano Ronaldo you know, had to, to dive to try and get a goal against you, I, mate, I think that's respect. Well, yeah, maybe, but I'm still dirty with him, mate. Still dirty. I, I'd, I'd say it to him now if I saw him. I'd was say was that he we, one of the people in your contact list that didn't get back to you? Or? Yeah, he still hasn't respond, responded to me. Can you believe that? Jeez, the arrogance of some people. <laughs> <laughs> 
Halftime drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds. And, Mark, we'll uh, hear from uh, another great from your contact list and also one from mine very shortly, which is a little bit exciting. But I have come to the point uh, in the show uh, where we'll take another quick sip of our Hay Diddle Wines, which is going down an absolute treat, if you don't mind. Um, but this is the, the moment that's all yours. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just turn my microphone off uh, and you need to sell the game of marbles to the world because... I, seriously, every time my phone buzzes, it's you with another clip from the great world of marble racing. And I th- Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I think it's time that you try and sell this sport to the world. Well, okay. Thank you, mate. Thanks for that platform and thanks for the introduction. Uh, listen, it's, I, I've, my eyes have been opened up to Marble, the Marble League the marble races that go on. I mean, first and foremost, the effort that goes into perform, you know, preparing these tracks is pretty insane. Um, who has that much time to actually spend digging, you know, digging these, these trenches? It's incredible. But credit to them because it was entertaining. I found myself being pulled into it, watching it. There's different little paths, little, little trails that the marbles can go off different paths and you can lose the lead. You can be miles out ahead, you get caught on a corner. It's brilliant. Um, the commentary leaves a little bit to desire, um, less enthusiastic. That could go up a couple of notches. If it did, I think it'd be a hit globally. The other interesting part, the, the Marble League, is where you've got two groups and they get dropped into like this little pit area and the sides got all these little blocks around and they bang into each other and it's basically a competition for the marbles to stay. Who has the most marbles that stay on the platform, the rest that fall off it? And that's how it's decided. It's pretty interesting, I tell you. It's quick, it's interesting. You know, you, you don't have to have people, you can tune in live. You don't need an audience there and now. Um, I think it's the way forward in these, in these very troublesome times. Yep, no, it sounds pretty good to me, Mark. Uh, look, I, I might need to watch a couple more marble races just to really sink my teeth in, but um, no, I think you've got a winner in me, that's for sure. Um, look, I really appreciate some of the audio that you've provided in this week's episode. It's really good to see that you've put yourself out there for rejection, you know, asking all your old former colleagues, and obviously some have got back to you, some haven't yet. But um, look, I've put myself out there too, and I, I've actually been really exhausting my really long list of contacts <laughs> really like how many uh of all two of them right and, and I, you, i've got a 50 percent hit ratio 50 <laughs> percent. So, wow that's good <laughs> it's not bad so look you might have wes morgan a premier league winning captain you know you might have a current socceroo but i've got uh the captain of Crew Alexandra, Mr. Perry Engie. Let's cross over to, to uh, Liverpool right now. Let's hear from him. All right, lads. Hope everyone's well and good. Thanks for having me on. My name's Perry Engie, captain of Crew Alex, and my favourite game was Liverpool versus AC Milan in the Champions League final in Istanbul, where we were 3-0 down at half-time, and we got it back and won. Um, yeah, hope everyone's well, and uh, hopefully be on the show soon. 
Yeah, that was a, a pretty good game. I think one of the one of the best, certainly in European standards, uh, in Istanbul, Mark. But look, are you impressed with me that I've been able to to get a you know a current captain of a League Two side? That look, let's let's not beat around the bush. They're probably going to be remote uh, promoted. If that's if, of course, the season goes ahead. Uh, am I impressed? Um, can, can I come well, back well, to you on that one? Gut- can yeah, I- you can. <laughs> what are your gut instincts? What's your gut reaction? Yeah, it's okay. You've done all right. You've done, you've done good. You've done good for a change. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's two weeks in a row now you've supplied the wine, which, you know, is, is, uh, is definitely a first. And now you've actually even supplied some sort of uh, contribution to the podcast, other than yourself, of course. Um, yeah, great. Well done. And, and also, what I liked, especially from that, is that he said at the end, I hope to be on the show soon. So, See? you know, we've got, a, we've got a, you know, a, a fan as well. There you go. See? I mean, listen, let's get him on. Next time, when you get a chance, let's see how we go in the next couple of weeks. Let's see if we can do it. We can organise something. Let's get them on. And uh, it'd be great to have him on. I would prefer to wait until the season's back up and running and I take you up to Gresty Road that, and we go to Crew Alex and we do the full day. I'd, I'd prefer to do that. Oh, listen, I'm all, I'm all up for it, mate. I'm, I'm happy enough to do that. That'd be great. It'd be a, a great experience. I'd really enjoy that. An experience is absolutely one word. I'll just say that. <laughs> that, that that's, a, that's accurate, but it's a great day out. Now, come on then. It's time for, for you to put me to shame. Uh, who else got back to you in your contact book? Uh, who else got back to me? Well, this one, he's an ex-player, uh, and, and that's no means a bad thing. It's actually, this guy is a brilliant guy, and you, it comes across also in his audio when he speaks. This is the guy that, exactly how he is, how he's, how he's, how he's jovial, how he's, he's, he's full of life. That's what he's like every day. He's like that all the time. Um, every time I come across him, I've never played with him, but I've played a lot of games against him. And when I've played against him, I've always known that I've been in for a battle. Uh, he, was a, he was a striker, um, big lump up front, and it's the, the one and only Dion Dublin. My favourite Premier League game is, selfishly, my debut back in 1992 for Manchester United. Um, it was Southampton versus United, Monday night football. I think it was the first Sky game on a Monday. Um, and we trained all week, Monday through till uh, Sunday. Met up on the Sunday, flew down and uh, went down to Southampton, played the game on the Monday. Unfortunately, uh, as the new boy, I didn't know where to meet the boys. I didn't know where to meet the lads or the gaffer. And uh, I went to the ground. Nobody else turned up at the ground. Everybody else went to a meeting point that I didn't know about. I was absolutely sh- I was frightened, let me say that to, uh, to say the least. Uh, rang the gaffer, told the gaffer, um, I'm at the ground. He said, we don't meet at the ground. Um, just get yourself uh, down on the, uh, on the next flight, which is Monday morning. Don't worry about it, no pressure. Um, so I went down the Monday morning, got dogs abuse from all the players, Incy, Pallister, Bruce, Parker, uh, Sparky all threw their bread rolls at me as if to say, oh, big time now, big time. Hey, you've come from Cambridge United to Man United, you've changed. The, 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 uh, the, the, the short story is we won 1-0. I scored the only goal. Thank you very much. Say no more. That's my favourite Premier League game. How good is that? He has to be. I mean, I've, I've never met the man, but he must be one of the biggest characters in football. 
He's brilliant. Honestly, he's a top, top guy. Uh, he's a lot of fun to be around. He's, you know, he knows his stuff. Obviously, got a lot of experience playing in the Premier League and play with some fantastic players. And I mean, it's a great story, isn't it? I mean, who would have thought? Like, honestly, he must have been absolutely bricking it. You know, you know, you've missed the, you've missed the the meeting point. You've not paid attention. Somewhere along the line, this communications have gone down. He's obviously not paid attention. He's not realised there's a different meeting point to go and catch, you know, get this, get on this plane. And he's messed up. And how bad must he have felt? He may have been mortified. He must have been thinking, oh, my God, you know, this is it. That's my chance. You know, I'm going to get absolutely caned. And then to hear all these teammates. And I, I, I played under Brian Robson um, so I, and, and Mark Hughes as well. So I can just imagine what that would have been like with those guys. I played with Gary Pallister. Uh, they would have properly been giving it to him. And it was hilarious to hear it. And I was having a proper chuckle when I was listening to it as well. And it would have come at a time as well that was very different to it, how it is now. You know, I can imagine the football footballing world behind the scenes. Banter is one word, but then it, it must, must have just been at a different level during that era. So he must have just been ripped to shreds. Well, it was a very different culture in the change room, first and foremost. So the... the, the that you, know, you had a group of particularly senior players, your more established players, they ran the dressing room. And it was the manager's job really to try and establish a good environment within that change room. So a good group of leaders, players he could rely on to run that dressing room to get the best out of individuals. And they certainly had that for a long, long time at United. I mean, you know, we saw over the, the various time, the years of decades that, that uh, Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson was at the club, he was able to to continuously revamp that that change room to to bring in new leaders. On the odd occasion, he'd fall out one or two of them, get rid of them straight away. Didn't mess about, and that was I, th- I think also had a big reason. Not only did they have phenomenal players, great talent, they had an amazing core group of players within that change room. The demand for success, the demand on each other every day to to deliver was so high. Um, that that you know it, it pulled players out of their comfort zones, and that's you know that's for me that was pretty evident when you when you listen to that that explanation from Dion. Uh, Mark, while you had Dion, I'm, I'm super glad you asked him this question because we saw um, overnight that Optus have started posting some cult heroes that are out there, um, and Dion has sent in uh, one of his cult heroes. This is an easy one for me. It has to be. Um my idol and my mentor and uh, somebody I just absolutely loved, Mr. Cyril Regis, God rest his soul. He was my idol for many, many years, somebody I wanted to play like, be like, um, score goals like, run as fast as, be as strong as. I never got anywhere near his standard, obviously. Um, But I did get to become his friend, which uh, meant more to me than anything else. So... Cyril, rest in peace, sir, and thank you very much for getting me where I needed to be. My all-time cult hero, Mr. Cyril Regis. It's a funny one, isn't it, with with cult heroes, Mark, because it doesn't just have to be someone with a moustache or a great haircut. You know, it can just be someone like in in, uh, Dion's case, you know, just someone who really has stood out for you personally in those years that... You know, you're really developing as a not just a football player, but a football fan, and that's that's sort of first and foremost. Is is that sort of ringing, you know, true and ringing many bells for you as well? It does. Yeah. Listen, Cyril Regis, he was a legend of the game, absolute Regis, pioneer, um, and and someone that I can clearly understand 
um, how he would be uh, a cult hero. You know who it is for me? It's funny, you know, it's bizarre because I, I, I think it, obviously it was a goalkeeper and I felt that he, he was he was a good goalkeeper. He wasn't the best. He was he was good. And he was good in a team, in a Liverpool team of the 80s, right, that were dominating everything. And he had to be good. But he also made a lot of mistakes. He, he was that, he was eccentric. He was theatrical, everything about him. He was this guy that, I don't think there was any other, I think Zimbabwean playing at that level anywhere around the world. Um, you know, the, the, the spaghetti legs at the penalty shootout in one of the European Cup games, Bruce Grobola. I mean, for me, he's an absolute cult hero. And he has got the moustache, so he ticks the box. He fits into that. It's one of the more important boxes that you need it, to tick. I think you need it. I think you need a moustache a there. Cyril Regis, I think at one time, definitely had a moustache. I'm pretty sure he did. So I think he ticks the box as well. I think you've got to have, a, uh, you know, your, your, uh, your icon has to have a moustache at some stage. He's- is there a difference between your favourite player of all time and a cult hero? Yeah, but he was a cult hero. That's what, yeah, it is. It definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. For, for me, Bruce Grobelaar, he was, he was an eccentric. He was somebody that, that really, I think, projected the, the, the position of a goalkeeper to different levels. He, he, the spotlight was always on him. Uh, goalkeepers in England were always well respected and always highly valued but I think he took it to another level I think um, he showed that they can be entertaining they can be important for a team yes they can make mistakes but they can bounce back really quickly I mean dominated his own yard box incredibly for, for a guy that was not particularly great you know high uh, tall in stature he dominated his own yard box yes he made mistakes but he made mistakes because he put himself out there and he was ahead of his time um, and he was part of a, a phenomenal Liverpool side. So for me, that's why he's, he's, a, he's a cult hero. For me, cult heroes-wise, I've got two. One from the world of sport in general, not just football, but, um, uh, yeah, so aside from football, it's got to be the great Eric Musambani, the uh, Eric the Eel, they used to call him. Do you remember him in the Sydney Olympics? I do, yes. Yes, I do. Yeah, that, he, that was the first Republic time. Of Guinea. That's right, the first time he ever swam in a 50-metre pool. He'd never, ever Animal. swam at a 50-metre pool until that Olympics. What an absolute legend. He ended up racing alone. I mean, it's some of the great stuff. But then from a footballing perspective, he ticks so many boxes. He ticks the moustache box. He ticks, for me, the hair and eccentric box. But he also would tick your goalkeeping box, and that is David Seaman. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, he, he definitely had the moustache, didn't he? He was a legend of the game. Uh, top, top bloke as well. So I always love that. You know, when you know them, you know they're top people. He's a, he's a big, gentle giant. Lovely, lovely guy. Um, and has got the funniest laugh as well. And one of the great last names too. Yes. That, that you need to have as a cult hero. <laughs> yeah, you could put it that way, yeah. And part of, listen, the Invincibles, part of a, an iconic era of Arsenal football club, you know, football club's history. And uh, yeah, what a, what, a, what, a, what a gentleman. And the last name, I'll just add that in again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
so make sure you get in touch with Optus Sport on Twitter and on Instagram as well. If you see the post of these cult heroes that are starting to pop up, make sure you get involved. Put your suggestions in because they're absolutely hilarious. And I tell you what, some of the names that are going to start popping up, um, geez, it takes you back. Or, or even if you're of the younger generation like myself, you might start to be introduced to a few players, Mark, that you've you've not come across before. And that that in a in a time where we've got no football to look forward to, you know, in the the sort of next few weeks and months, you know, that's just as exciting. It's finding out about someone that you've never seen before. Definitely. And so the question is, had you have heard of and or and stroke, have you seen him play, Bruce Gobbler? No. I'm going to be totally honest with you. No. So you never heard of him and you've never seen him play? I briefly heard of, but I didn't know he was from Liverpool. Oh. Uh, well, he played, he played for Liverpool. So he's Zimbabwean. But played for Liverpool, so look him up. You got to have a look at the footage. You got to watch him. He is he is an eccentric. He was he was he's a cult hero. Absolutely, hundred percent. Mark, uh, we're pretty much at the end of another episode of the Two Sharp Reds. Fingers crossed, uh, a few of those guys in your contact book get back to you for next week. So I thoroughly enjoyed hearing from them. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And hopefully next week, I'm pretty sure we'll have a couple of other nice surprises along the way to join that list. Well, uh, certainly a, a really nice surprise was... But it wasn't really a surprise, was it? But just how good the Hay Diddle Shiraz uh, wine was from uh, from the Adelaide Hills. Of course, Tom Jonas and Brad Ebert from the Port Adelaide Footy Club have provided that one for us, and they are still absolutely operating during this time. Where, you know what? I'm going to, to go as far as to say is the wine will be better because... Tom and Brad won't be playing uh, for Port Adelaide during this time. So they've got two months off now at least where really you'd like to think they're going to be taking their, well, actually putting their footy boots on and using their studs to squash some grapes, Mark. That would be brilliant. I mean, what, what, listen, what a, what, a, what a marketing tool that could be. You know, yeah, the picture right. of the two of them squashing up and down with their footy boots on, no socks on, obviously brand new ones, keeping the sponsors happy, doing a bit of training along the way and introducing another element to producing good top quality red wine brilliant you know what I might actually cut that out because that's something we could do for two sharp reds <laughs> actually I don't, I don't want anyone you know I don't want them nicking the idea because we could pop you in your your socceroos outfit or something you know and get you in the gloves and you're smashing it with the gloves and your boots oh, I think we're onto something here I think that could be a winner mate I think you may be onto something quickly get down get a trademark on that as quickly as possible so this wine the Hay Diddle Shiraz absolutely beautiful uh, and just reading uh, the description for you again uh, so you can taste it with your ears it's got ripe blue fruits with blackberry and cracked pepper on the powerful nose which just gets me every time uh, it's got appealing sweet dark berry and floral pastel flavours milled with a mocha note uh, that builds in the glass uh, finishes with a scent of tobacco and a smoky dark fruit note I mean it's got just about everything that you would want in a Shiraz and and here on the Two Sharp Reds we like to compare the, the wine that we, we taste to a player and I'll kick things off for you Mark because um, there was only a few things that came to mind and I was some sort of figured it out pretty quickly and I've stuck with it all the way through uh, the wines the wine in particular it says uh, it's it's slightly underrated in the sense that it's um, you know it's been increased with depth and it's you know, some people are just getting used to it and, and it gets better slightly for some um, 
as it starts to build in the glass. And I suppose the, the word underrated, in a sense, I'm looking at you in particular, you underrate, you know, Shirazes sometimes, but I'm sure you can agree that this is this is pretty good. And, and I think this person was underrated uh, when he spent his time in England. And then the other, the flavour that grabs me the most was the smoky note. And you know what, this might be quite simple from me, Mark, but as soon as I said it, it's all I could think about uh, was was smoking, and that's uh, one, one of Arsenal's cult heroes, uh, Wojciech Chesney, after he uh, <laughs> might have had a cigarette in the changing rooms of Southampton, and it's just as soon as I, I read it, uh, that's all I could think about. Yeah, no, I think that, that fits really, really well. I mean, you know, it's got got a lot of uh, increased depth and is, there's certainly no, no array of uh, lacking in confidence there in, uh, in the wine nor Wojtek Szczesny, that's for sure. Um, and yeah, the, the tobacco, the finished tobacco, yeah, I, I think that definitely suits. I think you need the nail on the head there with uh, Wojtek. What, what are your thoughts on smoking in oh, not just your changing room but the opposition's changing room? L- listen, we we had it we had it as well. Like when I when I first came into England, there were you'd be surprised how many players were actually still smoking, um, quite a lot. And 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 also <clears throat> at that time, you know, we, we we had Brian Robson there. He kind of turned a blind eye to it. Allowed the kind of some of the the more experienced senior players after a game, not in the change room, but they'd be in the toilet having a smoke. Um, and and it was for me it was a real eye opener. I was just like, really, wow! Like, uh, is is this normal? And and I kind of got to 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 realise that it, it, it depended on on the club. It depended on the on the manager, the players. Yeah, and 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 predominantly. And I wouldn't even say it was predominantly just English players because it were also continental. A lot of the continental guys, the Italians, they all smoked back then. They all had a well, nearly all of them smoked, and that, that was also very very surprising. Um, they did love a red wine, which is great. Um, but anyway, so for me, you know, there was a couple of things that really um, led me to this player. Um, and I mean, you know, the increased depth, uh, you know, we all know for the Shiraz, it's got a lot of depth, really, really strong. Um, and, and one that, you know, I, I, I've said to you in the past, you know, big chunk of, big chunk of meat, red meat. That works every time for me. And I, I think this is no different. The peppery flavors on it, yeah. You need a powerful nose. You need a big nose. Powerful, big nose to be able to handle this wine. So, you know, thinking about that, the appeal, it's got a sweet berry, the pastel flavors. So I'm thinking colors, fla- uh, pastel colors. Um, I'm thinking of design. So along that, I was thinking this one player popped him out straight away. And I never played with him, I played against him. And he did score against me because he still brags about it to this day. And every now and then it pops up on, on, uh, on, uh, on Twitter that he's, that he's showing an old goal that he scored against me. It's, just, it's like the only one he's ever scored, honestly. It's terrible. And this is a guy who was a striker as well. It's like, it's like as if he's the only goal he's ever scored because he's the only one he ever talks about. Um, and that's Michael Bridges. So powerful <laughs> nose. He's got a huge conk on him. I mean, it's enormous. So it really suits him. And then when you watch him on Optus Sport, I mean, the pastel colours that he's wearing. I mean, he might as well go out there with a floral shirt every week because he pretty much does anyway. Cardigan, you know, all that intertwines and matches. So I'm actually going to go so far as to say this wine suits him better than any other player I've ever described on this podcast to date. Um, I'm worried about this. You're not trying to start an Optus Sport podcasting turf for are you what no would i do that 
No, Michael Bridges would I? No, he wouldn't bite. He's not a type of person that will bite to anything like that. Yeah, I mean, he may stick his nose in it, but he won't bite. Sure. <laughs> he may give it a good sniff, but yes. you know, we never know. Yes, I'm yeah. sure he will. Well, I appreciate that, Mark, and, and let's hope um, you know that this doesn't turn into a sort of bloods and crips sort of situation, and we can remain sort of quite uh, you know civil between the two. Uh, the t- between the two Optus Sport podcasts, uh, but they do a sensational job as well, don't they? The, the Gagan Pod guys, so make sure you give them a listen. But Mark, thank you for another great episode of the Two Sharp Reds as we try and just delve our way into a beautiful bottle of the Burgundy Great while we try and just discover and navigate our way through this period without not just football, but without sport. And you've done very well with your marbles. I'm slowly getting there. You know, I think you've lost some of your marbles, but I'm getting there. Look, very slowly. Um, but look, thank you. And I'm looking forward to a few of your treats that you'll be providing for next week's episode. Yeah, great, mate. And don't forget, look up Bruce Grobelar. What an icon, what a legend, what a cult hero he, he is. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.